Welcome back to Winged and Ready. I am so super excited to be sitting in real life in a recording studio with Natalie Byrne of Blank Space. Super exciting. I know it's 2023 and we've all been doing things in real life, but recording in person is just such a pleasure. Natalie, thank you for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit about Blank Space and the adventure that you've been on for the last handful of years? <laughs> yes, and it is so fun to be in person. All the things that came together for us to be here, it's uh, everyone listening in. We're in this really secret, cool studio right now, um, and I'm very excited about it. So as you said, I'm Natalie. I founded um, Blank Space, an impact strategy firm. Uh, over five years ago that really looks at how we can make the world a better place. I work with brands, foundations, funds, um, high impact leaders, really on what we like to say, the do and the say. You know, how are, what are we doing? Yeah. Like we're looking at capital. Are we um, working on gender, climate, or our supply chains? Um, you know, myriad of places. It could be wellness. I mean, list goes on and on, but really what are we doing and then how are we creating a movement and telling the world about it? So all those things you just listed, would you categor categorically put them under impact? Define impact for us a little bit. That's a great question because impact is a vague word and I don't love it all the time. I'm like, what else can we say? But, you know, we should also say positive impact because there's a mm -hmm. lot of types of impact out there. Um, I would say what's important to me is that as we look at business in the future, you know, I even just call it future forward business. We need to be you know, investing in renewables. We need to be having a diverse uh, boardroom. Mm -hmm. We need to be um, making the, you know, the communities that we serve mm -hmm. healthy and happy. This is how we actually drive business. And um, I, that's the way that we've been seeing the world change. It's not just we're going to make money here and write a check philanthropically over there. Right. Those lines are very much intersecting. So I use the word impact strategy to shortcut something mm -hmm. that I'm so happy you asked is actually a much bigger um you know, narrative we could dive into. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important for people to understand, like you said, impact is actionable. So it's not only the impact that you can have or are going to have, but let's be honest, it's impact to your bottom line. I don't think that there's a single investor, strategic or sponsor out there who wouldn't look at a lot of the metrics that you're likely trying to help someone improve. Oh yeah, I mean, to your point, impact isn't like a social issue. Right. It's how we do business. Mm -hmm. It's how we show up in our lives. And if we can do that better and I can help that be very authentic and strategic mm -hmm. and drive business um, and make us all feel better, then that makes me happy too. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I love that. And another important angle is I think those of us you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I wear it proudly. I talk about it all the time. And when we learned how to value companies in the 90s, it was looking at a bunch of factors. But now if someone says they want to grow by acquisition, they could be acquiring a part of that impact that they don't necessarily have and or looking for something strategic that is a part of impact that they don't currently have. Well, yeah, I mean, everything has changed. I've worked with many um, impact-led brands that aren't, as I was saying before, it's not just about, oh, here's a company and here's like the thing we do one month out of the year mm -hmm. 
for um, you know Women's History Month, let's right. just say, and we have a red lipstick, and you know, fifteen percent of the profits go to this organization. That's not what I'm talking about. You're, we can look at businesses now that are launching with impact at their core. I mean, mm -hmm. think about how many brands have shown up in CPG that are um, you know making paper towels yeah. more environmentally friendly. A, a brand I love, um, a seventh gen, right? So you have these companies that are now just launching and, and growing um, and being acquired because they're purpose-driven. So I think there's a, a whole different world out there when we're thinking of brands. So if you're in CPG, just for the listening audience, is consumer product goods. But if you're thinking of launching a new company, building a brand, or even being hired by one, these are important things to be aware of because it creates value and it could put more money in your pocket at the end of the day. Well, and to your point, employees, consumers, so we're talking about talent, your future talent pool. Um, and the people who buy your products, they're both looking at things like transparency mm -hmm. and values, um, value alignment with, with their own values. I'd say this is the first time in history that I've seen CEOs have to stand up as activists. You know, all, for m most years before this, mo everyone would advise the CEO to just not say anything be as apolitical as possible. Mm -hmm. And the world that we live in uh, today, that's actually saying something in itself if you don't say something at all. Right. We are actually asking our you know, heads of companies to take a stance uh, politically on things that are happening in the world, policy changes, announcements um, from the judicial system. And that is creating a very new paradigm of what is business, what is impact, what is advocacy, and I think that, you know, that's why my business is so dedicated to helping companies do the work up front, mm -hmm. to dive really deep into who they are, what makes their work authentic, what is their brand DNA, what are their values, what are their ethos, and then again, to your point, like, it helps attract the right talent, it helps the management team be authentic, it helps the communication and marketing of the company be um, natural, you know, and these things just, so then when something happens and the company is like, well, how do we feel about this? It's all the work's already done. Right. So your company, Blank Space. Yes. <laughs> business, culture, impact are three words that leap out at you when you look at your webpage. What, what is Blank Space? What does that mean? Well, this, you know, I think of Blank Space as the future or also the present. Like, what do we need to do right now in order to sort of clear the table, have a blank page, take, you know, take out what we think we know so that we can envision something better. And rather than just trying to problem solve with the same tools and people and ideas that we have, I try to work on new solutions. Um, so if you think of even, you know, like a whiteboard, which I would call, you know, a blank space, right. You can ideate, and all ideas are good ideas, and you kind of throw everything on there, and you start to just really get, especially when you're doing value work, because think of all the things that we care about. And then from there, you can start to really focus. You focus in, you focus in, and you, you use the blank space to throw it all out there and then to really find what emerges for you. So blank space for me is something that um, you know I actually love to meditate, and it is about that practice that I do every day to just get really quiet and create 
some opportunity for something new, for something creative to pop up out of my everyday. And I try to bring that same um, creativity and opportunity into the business world. That's super cool. And can blank space also be a start over? Can it be a hitting the reset button, not just ideating, but maybe tabula rasa, like cleaning the slate blank space? You know, uh, sometimes the phone calls we get are from companies that find themselves in a tricky situation. Mm -hmm. um, and they might be, to your point, needing to hit a reset and saying, oh, we didn't do this work up front and now we're in a situation, help us press reset. What is it that we don't know? Um, and that's when we kind of have to look at like cultural tension points, like what's right. happening in the world compared to what is the, what the business is doing and like where those things fit together so that they can help navigate out. And everybody loves a story and I know you believe in storytelling. Can you share a story with us or give an example on where you got someone, whether it was a sticky situation or, or building from the ground up in a way that you found unique? I have a really fun one. Um, I worked a couple years ago on an exciting project when I came in to support uh, WW, which formerly known as Weight Watchers, was going through their rebrand. Um, and they you know, are a company that is known for transforming um, people's lives around health and wellness. And if you, I went, when we were doing the work around what they could do bigger and on like a world stage, I just started to really think about the founding story and the idea that in these, these community centers all over the country, you know, women were gathering to help each other out mm -hmm. um, and talk about recipes and ways to eat better. Um, and I found that really inspiring. And like, you think about, you know, we were a couple this, I was building this before COVID. So a couple years ago, uh, and that time when we were really online and things were changing and, mm -hmm. you know, they're making themselves feel better and transforming their lives. But like, what, what does this mean in a bigger way? And so we actually launched the healthy living coalition, which was uh, 30 plus brands from all over the marketplace. Um, cool. competitors in the marketplace like B of A and JP Morgan, as well as you have like Butcher's Box that sells meat and Beyond Meat that's reinventing meat. So you have all these people that you would never really see at the table. And we all came together around nutrition insecurity and food insecurity and saying, what can we do together as partners to really bring health and wellness to so many people who need it most? And then the pandemic hit and we saw that um, poverty and hunger reached uh, epidemic that right. we haven't seen in years and it's still it's doing worse and worse so this is an ongoing issue but we had done so much work around this and we built such a strong coalition that was just bigger than one company it would brought you know it brought this whole group together it was so awesome and actually just at the end of last year we were able to together get some legislation changed um around uh, uh something called the emerson act which was you know, companies had a hard time donating leftover food right. that was being thrown away a huge issue. because of the way the law was written and liable, you know, problems. And we worked to change the way the law was written so that all that food that was being wasted could be given um, to organizations that That's needed incredible. it. Yeah. So stuff like that, that to me is really exciting. And it goes back to doing the work, thinking about the origin and you know, if community is at the center of your brand, let's not do this alone. Let's do this right. together. Right. 
I love that so much, and you really built a collective. We like to say that at UBS we have collectives as well. I enjoyed a story a few weeks ago. Our executive vice chair was sharing that because a lot of our ultra high net worth families are personally touched by autism, it's one of the collectives that we built. So, you know, giving people an ability to share and to share experience and to share resource and to share what matters to them doesn't have to be at the individual level only. You're doing it at the company level, too. Yeah, and it's important to do it as an individual. You know, I talk a lot about how we live our legacy now. Mm -hmm. It's not something for, you know, after you're gone, and it doesn't need to just be for the people at the highest percentage of wealth. Um, some, this is something we can look at how we show up in our communities, in our families, in our lives. So, you know, my business is a business of activating legacy in the everyday, and I want to help more people think about that in the jobs that they have and the lives that they lead. So I'm very passionate about about what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to use that as a way to dovetail, too, because legacy can be a really important tool. I'm sure you work with a lot of entrepreneurs who have that moment when they exit, somebody buys their company, they get a windfall, and what's next? Yes, that's actually one of my favorite places to be. I, I do come in in transition moments, and some of those are, um, you know, as someone's thinking about acquisition, and they're, you know, preparing and growing and scaling, or on the other side, and on the other side, it's really fun. Um, you get to, you work with the brand, mm -hmm. you know, on this was the brand purpose. This is the brand bigger than the founder. This is the brand in, you know, it's perpetuity. Like mm -hmm. this is how it will continue on. Um, and then you have the founder story. So the founder, to your point, potentially just came into a new level of capital, right. but is also uh, feeling um uh, kind of like a, a loss. It's some of my, you know, I have some colleagues that say you're like a business therapist in a way because at that moment they're feeling like my baby that I raised and took of care of and got to this point and then sent off to school and it's life. What am I doing? And, you know, that's, it's just this amazing journey and I get to be there to be like, okay, you did do that and this is part of your story and your legacy, but also, it's so much bigger than that. Let's talk about the why of the company and mm -hmm. why you built it and, and, and beyond. Is is there, um, should we be starting a foundation? Do you wanna do some partnerships in that space? Is there an initiative we can launch? Are you looking at investing in other companies? Are you starting another company? I've worked with founders who are then thinking about their book and we've worked on writing their book and their story and their bigger why. So I think that in that moment of transition there, it's such a beautiful opportunity. And especially in those early years when there can sometimes be, for any founders listening who have gone through this, they know what I'm talking about, where you have maybe a new CEO running your company and you're right. still there on the board and you're trying to you're trying to direct the ship, but you also have to let go of the reins. I think really knowing your bigger why and where you even can help drive, you know, the vision in this new chapter is, is essential. And Natalie, everything you said is so important. We literally just put out a report at the end of last week called Wind in Your Sales, S-A-L-E-S, Sales. <laughs> Don't want anyone who's listening who knows me that knows I'm a sailor that we're talking to, we're not talking about a boat, we're talking about putting wind in your sails. 
report for business owners looking at business owner statistics and everything you just commented on and noted really takes picking your head up and looking around before you're actually transacting because like you said you this is your baby this is a business that you've built and for it really to take on to be independent and and to leave the household successfully you need to pick your head up and start doing some planning well ahead of the actual transaction and legacy philanthropy not only are those meaningful things to do or 2.0 or 3.0 what's your next venture going to be if you don't plan ahead of the transaction you can leave so much on the table in way of capital gains tax, in way of being able to engage people who are important around you, whether you have a family or don't have a family, it could be your community or your friends. You know, putting purpose around all of those elements is critical to being successful post-transaction. I mean, I have to agree with you on all of that and say to any founders out there, I would be happy to have any informal conversation about this because it is so important to me that business leaders know how much their skill set is needed in the world. And if you've done that successfully, there's so much problem solving in the way that you think innovatively and you can drive a ship that is needed. You know, I was just this week at the UN, as you, you know, we were talking about earlier, looking at how business can drive towards the sustainable development goals and business leaders helping us problem solve some of the biggest problems we're facing as a world. And so any founder finding themselves in this chapter, I call on them as a thought leader, call on them to share their skill set and to think of the next generation of entrepreneurs behind them because we need them. We need their minds. We need their mentorship. Um, I think that there's nothing that the world needs more than these great thinkers, maybe in the selling of their business, they can actually find this really exciting chapter of um, helping to drive change. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the Sustainable Development Goals and SDGs, if you're looking for an acronym to attach to that. It's really on the private sector. You know, this isn't something that we can look to policy or governments to solve globally. And it's a heavy lift. It's trillions of dollars that we need to outline and make sure that the world is still around for us, for our future generations and those future generations. It's, it's interesting, if you don't know what the SDGs are, I would encourage you to go online and to Google, you know, UN SDGs, or 17 of them. And I guarantee you, there's not one company on this planet that would not fall into one of the 17 SDGs and or the sub SDGs within each one. And for me, that just emphasizes even more how important what you're doing, what Blank Space is doing, because if a company can't align themselves and understand where they fall within those SDGs, and they don't really know what their true value is, and if they don't know what their true value is, then getting back down to the numbers, they're not going to be able to transact if that's ever on the table for them. I, I know, I've talked to M&A investment bankers all the time. I talk to M&A attorneys all the time. They're starting to consult on this. You know, these are valuation metrics. So I encourage all listeners to go check out those 17 SDGs too. Yes, 100%. Um, And it also opens up new doors for new business. So this isn't, I am not, there was, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. This 
movement in my field, um, which I've been in from the very beginning, trust me, I have horror stories of, you know, knocking on bosses door saying, you know, this is the future and we need to be doing this and public private partnerships and yada, 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 and being told a million times that this isn't anything. And here we are today. And look, now the world is focusing on, on impact, but it was a hard, long journey. And along the way, you know, people were just talking about like doing good and doing well and corporate social responsibility and these iterations of things that were good for steps, but it, where we are today, I can tell you very confidently that this is tied to the future of capital. This mm -hmm. is tied to good returns. Yeah. I mean, we see this now on the front page of the Financial Times this week, right? This is what, what everyone is looking at, and this is good business. The 17th goal, very purposefully, is partnerships because we can't do any of this alone, and good business isn't done alone. Right. So we have an opportunity to get deeper into our supply chains, make better partnerships with governments. Um, just the sky's the limit in where this work can go. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. That's part of what we do um, with clients, and it's exciting. Do you have any recommendations for listeners who are either at the beginning stages of thinking about this or maybe midway through to, to brush up their own intellectual capital and understanding around it. Yes, and you and I have talked about this before. You have to start with the why. And so many people are picking up, reading things, getting mad, wanting to react to stuff. And I encourage everyone to go back to the blank space. I didn't even I didn't even know I was gonna say that, but it's right there. Use it as a tool. Who are you? Why did you found, found your company? Or even if you're working in a company and you see that this work needs to be done, taking a step back saying, you know, this is the product division that I'm in and this is why this product is here and this is the communities we serve and this is why this new launch matters. It's gonna make your communication strategy easier, your distribution strategy easier, your employee engagement easier because you are connecting to the root of the why and the authenticity of why a company exists. I think, and even if you go on to like, I work with funds, I work with foundations, it's the same work. So you can use the word brand and brand DNA loosely mm -hmm. um, in all those different verticals to be the truth. Yeah. No, I agree with that and how it connects through to mission and goals because you brought up funds and foundations. And I reflect that full heartedly. Again, you know, I'm a financial advisor and people always anticipate that the conversation at the root of it is going to go into financial metrics and analysis and portfolio discussions that they quite frankly feel intimidated about, but it comes down to the why. And until you can figure out the why of a founder, the people who are close in their lives, what things mean to them and really getting that ethos, you can't do any of the other work. So the sooner you're comfortable doing that, not only does it make your company more successful, but you can engage with the people that you love in your life, find out their why, and start really tying that all together. And the why doesn't necessarily need to be purpose-based. It's just understanding what is important, right? What's at the heart? What's the philosophy? And how can we all communicate that with one another to find out what the end goal is going to be, what the mission is going to be, what the purpose is going to be. Um, you know, you say the word money, it's going to mean something totally different to two different people. You need to know why. Yes. 
Well said. I think at the heart, too, of what you're getting at is the importance of words matter, mm -hmm. language, narrative, really dialing down to why we describe things. With some of my clients, we make up our own words um, or at least just a brand vocabulary to describe our values so that we know what we're doing and we have a certain way of talking about it. Right. I love making up your own words. Yeah. Can you think of one that you could share well, with Well, I could say, for example, one of my favorite clients um, that anyone who knows me knows. She's been my mentor, and we've been working together for over a decade now. Jane Werwin, the founder of Dermalogica. We have been through it all and millions of stories. But one of my favorite things about her is that, like, she hates the word beauty. And she's the number, you know, Dermalogica is the number one professional skincare product in the beauty industry. So she's in an industry of a word she doesn't believe in. And that's just it. We can say, well, this word doesn't fit and this is why. So this is the word that we want to use. You know, she would never tell someone being, oh, we work with beauty therapists. She's like, no, they're skin therapists, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're, it's about skin health. It's not about being beautiful. It's about being healthy. So little things like that. Uh, we would always play with language and I love that. Oh, that's a great reframe too. It's a healthier reframe. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's fun. Is there anything else that you think if you were just to pound the table and be like, I have to get this point across, people have to understand this. What would be that overarching point? Well, I would say that I think of myself as a bridge part of a bridge generation or bridge in leadership, bridge in business. My job is to work on both sides of the aisle. My job is to wear all hats, to have my ear to the ground, to know what the C-suite's thinking, to know, you know, I in one week will be in a refugee camp in the other side of the world and sitting across from one of the most powerful Fortune 100 CEOs. My job is to listen. And this is not something that is happening today. And it makes me so sad because that's where we need to go. We need to go back to listening. I don't believe in cancel culture. It essentially says that someone said something that you don't agree with and they won't ever learn. They can't grow. There's nothing that we can teach. And it's just, to me, fundamentally goes against the American value system yeah. of learning and curiosity and moving things forward. And so I really have taken on that I want to bridge these generational gaps we're seeing and anger we're seeing and dissonance between the top leadership and the youth. Yeah. Um, I want to help move us forward. And that's something I'm really passionate about and could do better, I think, all of us. I love that, Natalie. I think that's going to be our, our closing sentiment because that's so powerful. And thank you so much for being here with me today. Anyone is interested in contacting Natalie, because I can tell you she's staring me right in the eye right now. We're having like a little soul gaze. It's amazing. Please feel free to reach out to me and I will put you in touch with her because I know she's being genuine when she says she will do a free informational phone call to be helpful and see if blank space and or her incredible listening powers or something that can help you. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.